Haptic. Got Romans chapter 5 in my head, but we've been there weeks ago. We're up to Romans 7. Now, I'm just going to pretty much jump straight into it this morning. No um, dad jokes to open up with. Uh, The response to last week was so underwhelming that I've decided to hang up my comedy career. And, uh, (laughs) oh, that's my son clapping. That's not good. And thank you, Amanda, for paving the way this morning. <laughs> Does my butt look big in this? That, that's priceless. That's just beautiful. <sighs> there was no room left for me after that. That was stunningly wonderful. Um, and, and seriously, thank you, Amanda, for the incredible work you're doing with the global team. Fantastic. <laughs> wonderful. Really good. Really good stuff. Um, Pastor Phil also wants to be remembered to everybody. Phil and Robin and Mark over in England, they called on Friday... Uh, on the telephone, old-fashioned way of communicating, called just to say hello and uh, be remembered to us and let us know that they're loving us from a distance and praying for us and very keen and very interested in what happens, obviously, in the life of the church and what happens next uh, with leadership decisions, etc., etc. So they just wanted to say a big hi from all the way from England. So I'll call them back next week and uh, say hello back again. Is that okay? Can I pass on your best wishes? Excellent. Fantastic. When are they coming back? No idea. <laughs> Hopefully in the next couple of years. They're pretty busy and uh, enjoying what they're doing, so it'll be a couple of years, I'm sure. Excellent. This morning is our 17th message in the current series of Learning a New Normal. So I just wanted to, before we jump into this morning, just very briefly have a quick look at the last three sessions, the last three messages. Today is week 17, weeks 14, 15 and 16 where we had a look at focus, new life and obedience, last week was obedience. Just quickly recap those for you for one second because they are incredibly important as a foundation for what we're about to look at this morning. So it'll make a lot of sense. Back in week 14, three messages ago, we had a look at the concept of focus with a message called But the Gift, which was reminding us or trying to get us to to think and be I'm conscious of the fact that there are so many distractions in life, but our focus is incredibly important. Bringing our focus away from the distractions, simply remembering that phrase, but the gift, the presence of God. So when anything came up, when there was any difficulty or issue or distraction or obstacle in your life, you could, you could go back to a focus on God by saying to yourself, but the gift as an answer to everything, to remind you to get back on track and focus. So we had a good look in week 14 at the concept of focus, but the gift, the presence of God. The the week after that, week 15, we had a look at this really, uh, the heart of Romans really, this concept of new life. Remembering that despite what the world may say, death is not an end. Death is in fact a beginning and old things need to die so that new things can be born. So we had a good look at what death really means and what death is. Not natural death, please understand that, spiritual death, death of stuff, death of habits, death of your old life, so that your new life could be born and take place and move forward. So we had a good look at that. Focus, then new life. Last week, we had a little look at a message around the concept of obedience, reminding ourselves what real and true godly obedience is, 
and acknowledging how careful we have to be with our choices because in Scripture we saw last week that we will serve whatever we choose to obey, that our lives line up with where we put our heart, that whatever you choose to align yourself with is the very thing that you will then serve. It becomes your master in that sense. And we had a good look through some options and I think, I hope, we decided that the best option was to put our obedience in Christ and to serve him. Was, was that a fair summation? That's good. Well, you can say it with a little bit of enthusiasm. <laughs> yes? Excellent. Thank you. Oh, nice. Lovely, lovely. Like the descant as well. It's all good. So we had focus, we had new life, and we had obedience. And we put those three things together in a nutshell. We summarise that, if you like, by saying, number one, despite distractions, we need to choose to focus on God. Number two, despite sadness or grief or death, we have to let the past die. And number three, despite the variety of options that we have, we need to choose to obey God. Choose to focus on God, let the past die, and choose to obey God. That's the last three messages, weeks 14, 15, and 16. The reason I do all that right now, just for a couple of minutes, is to give us a foundation of what we're going to look at today because it makes a great deal of sense, and you'll see that in a second. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God, and we love you, Heavenly Father. We absolutely love you. And God, we recognize that we mess up and we make mistakes, but we understand that in our process of becoming the people that you want us to be, in our process of salvation and wholeness and healing, that you continue to love us, you continue to guide us, you continue to forgive us, and lead us in the right pathway, in the right direction. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. Thank you, God, for your love of us. Thank you, God, for your mercy and forgiveness. And this morning, as we continue to look through Romans, as we open Scripture again and and see what you have in store for us, God, our, our heart and our prayer is exactly the same as it has been over the last 16 weeks of trying to learn a new normal. Our heart is, God, that whatever you want us as a a bunch, a family, a congregation, a group, whatever you want us to understand, show it to us this morning. God, highlight to us corporately as a bunch, but also individually for wherever we're at as, as individuals, as single people on journeys with you. God, highlight to us exactly what you want us to know so that we can walk out of here today full of you, full of your peace and your heart, and with just a little bit more understanding of what you've called us and shaped us and made us to do. We understand, God, your will overarching everything. We understand your call. God, we want to know what vision you have in store for us as individuals and as a team. So bless us as we read your word this morning. Highlight the truth to us and and take out the, the, the humanistic distractions, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God. You've got our full attention. In your mighty and beautiful name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Romans 7 just sit the first six verses of Romans 7, says this. Do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men who know the law, he was obviously writing to the church, people who understood a lot of things. They understood much of what had been said before, but this was new learning. Do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, 
she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, using that as an example, so, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we now serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. I hope you can start to see what I meant when I said the last few weeks really relate to this today, because straight away, as we read just those six verses, the first six verses of chapter 7, straight away as we read that, we see this concept of life and death um, put in front of us again in, in a different way, a different example, but the same underlying foundational truth, the same concept of life and death, the same understanding of the end or death of one thing signaling the beginning or new life of another. Paul makes the point very clearly that as we choose to join with God, then the old you, the old me, dies. And there's a new you, a new me, ready to move forward in place of the old. And all of this happens because, in verse 4, we're told, in order that we may bear fruit to God. The old goes and the new comes in order that we may bear fruit to God. The old dies and the new is born in order that we may bear fruit to God. There's a point and a purpose and a reason to all of this, all of God's plan, is to shake off, to shut down, to cut off, to get rid of the old and allow the new to stand up in its place. And as the new stands up, why? In order that we may bear fruit to God. The new is there to bring glory to God. The new is not there to bring glory to you and I. The new is not there so that you and I look good. The new is not there so that you have a better life. The new is there so that you have a godly life and so that you bear fruit, bring glory to God. So Paul is going on and on about this. That's not a derogatory statement. He's going on and on about this to get us to understand God's heart. God wants us to understand the old must die. The old must be gone so that the new has a place and an opportunity to move forward. Basically, it's all about a new and improved you. Linking with God, serving God, fulfilling his purpose, getting on with the job, getting the job done, bearing fruit, doing the God stuff and doing it well. So this is wonderful, this is, this is powerful, this is godly, this is scriptural, but there's an issue in there that we've got to deal with in our heads. There's an issue contained in this, that I felt as I was reading it and I went, you know what, we have to deal with this issue. It's mainly in verses 5 and 6. Let me read it for you. Romans 7 verses 5 and 6. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit. When we were controlled by the sinful nature, we bore fruit for death. But by dying to what once bound us, we have been released. 
Three very important words there that we're going to look at this morning. Just very simple message, three simple words. Dying, controlled, and released. Dying, controlled, and released. So if you want a, a title for this message, you can call it Learning a New Normal 17, or you could call it Control, Death, and Release. doesn't sound very uplifting, does it? <laughs> sounds like a wrestling hold in the Olympics. Think about that for a moment, it'll, it'll give you a picture. <laughs> but it's three simple words, dying, controlled and released. When we were controlled by the sinful nature, we bore fruit for death. But by dying to what once bound us, we have been released. First thing, dying. We've seen it clearly, we've stated it clearly, we've been reading it over the past few weeks and months in fact, all the way through this journey in Romans. That learning a new normal is ultimately about the new life in Christ, the new you linking with God. This amazing new life for the new you really does, really does require a spiritual death of the old you. But here's the thing, death is a process. Dying sometimes takes time. Sometimes it happens quickly and sometimes it happens slowly. Yes, we must die to the old self. Yes, new life will be achieved. But I'm interested in the fact that in the the middle of what Paul's writing, he says, by dying to what once bound us. I get a sense that this is a present tense word. It's an ongoing commitment. This death didn't necessarily happen instantly. Dying is a process. Now, I don't want to be distasteful or offensive this morning. Please hear my heart as I say this. We're all grown-ups. If we were to talk about natural death, human, physical, natural death, you would understand that some people die quickly and some people take time to die when death is approaching. So in the context of what we're looking at now, we're not talking about natural, human, physical, physiological bodily death we're talking about spiritual death but the same heart of process is inherent in this that sometimes spiritual death takes a little longer for some than it does for others you you know this to be true think of some of the people that you know think of yourself or your family other christians that you have contact with some people who meet god for the first time become a Christian, new Christians, they just immediately seem to grasp and grab God and get on with it and the past just drops away. Now there are other people that meet God and it's a bit more of a process for them. It takes a little longer for the past to be dropped off. It's a little bit more of a process and a journey. Now that's not to say that God can't at any moment miraculously assist or direct or guide and the past is gone as far as the east is from the west. But God knows, because he made us, God knows that every one of us is built differently. Every one of us has different coping mechanisms. Every one of us has a different set of DNA, a different structure, a different brain pattern, a different way of thinking. We come from a different culture, a different background. Every one of us is unique and individual. So God knows how best to deal with you. And God knows how long it's going to take for you as an individual to drop off the past. Now, God won't judge you for that, but other Christians will. 
Can I say that again? God won't judge you for that, but other Christians will. So hold on tight to God, not other Christians. Now, I'm not putting down people. Please hear my heart as I say this. And it's on tape. Oh, I just showed my age. It's on CD or Whales Fishing, whatever it is, podcast, that other thing. It's on all of that. It's recorded for the annals of history. So I'm happy to say it. And that is be careful of people and put your trust in God. Because God has great patience. And God says, I see your heart and I know that the journey you're on is real and true. And people often mess us up a little bit. I'm not saying ignore people and throw people out. Love people. Speak the truth in love. Love people. We're told to not give up the habit of meeting together. We're told to love one another, serve one another, be with one another. But don't put your focus and your heart's trust in each other. Put your focus and your heart's trust in God. Because God says, I've got it under control. And I see your heart and thank you for choosing a new life. And the old will disappear, but it's a process of dying, not having had a died experience. It's dying. It's an ongoing, present, past thing. You're doing it now. Every one of us is dying. That's a very pleasant thought this morning, isn't it? Let's turn to the person next to you and say, good morning, I'm dying, how are you? It's actually true, physiologically speaking, you're dying right now, your cells are starting to drop off. It's a very encouraging morning in church this morning. But that's not our focus. Our focus is that the same process is going on in your heart. That the mess from the past, the stuff that you used to hold on to, the stuff that you used to believe in, the stuff that used to define you, that stuff is dying. Now, for some people, it will die quickly just because of the way you're made, the way you're shaped. For other people, it will die over a period of time. So let it happen. Don't be fussed by it. Don't be judgmental about it. Don't be held back by it. Just let it happen. When you hit a a little wall, take a breath and look to God and keep going. Second word is controlled. Dying. Second word is controlled. When we were controlled by the sinful nature, we bore fruit for death. We talked a few weeks ago about letting go of the past, and this morning we sang that beautiful song, Clinging to the Cross, letting go of all earthly things, letting go of the stuff that holds me back. Why do we have to let go of things? Well, we have to let go of things because we're not capable of holding on to everything. <laughs> And to make room for new things, you've got to let go of some of the old things. You just can't hold on to everything. This scripture today puts this concept even more fairly and squarely right in front of our faces and perhaps even explains it a a little better or a little more deeply for some of us. When we were controlled by the sinful nature, we bore fruit for death. Here's the reason we have to let go of the past. Because we can't afford and we don't want anything that's not God to be controlling us. Good or bad, anything that is controlling you that is not God needs to go. It needs to go. The hardest thing about that is that sometimes they're kind of good things. (laughs) And you've got to let go of them. Now please understand what I'm saying, letting go of the past. I'm not talking about completely obliterating every moment of your life up until today. Please let's be 
understanding God's heart in this. Your past contributes to who you are. Your past is like a sort of a mosaic tile or, or, or a rug, a tapestry. It, it's basically part of who you are today has been created because of the experiences and the culture and the life that you've lived up to this point. So I don't believe for one second that God is saying, dismiss everything, every thought, every word, every deed from everything you've ever done until today. The sense of what Paul is writing is let go of everything that is controlling you. Let go of earthly things. Let go of stuff in your head. Let go of stuff in your heart that is controlling you. If it's controlling you and giving you an alternate direction to God, let it go. If it's controlling you and filling your heart and your mind with messy thoughts, let it go. If it's controlling you and making you think more highly of yourself than you ought, let it go. If it's distracting you from being focused on God, let it go. Anything that is controlling us other than the heart and the revelation of God needs to be gone. Otherwise, we are controlled by our sinful nature and Scripture tells us we then bear fruit for death, not for God. So we've got some questions to answer. I want to join my life to God. I want to live this new life with him. I'm choosing to give it all over to him. I want to be linked to God for new life, full and wonderful and abundant new life that Christ died for, that God promises in Scripture. I really want that. I want to be separated from my old life, a life of death that was leading nowhere, that was full of sin and mess. I want to be away from that, God, so I've got to let go of anything that's controlling me. So here's the questions I've got to ask myself. Is my old life really dead and gone? Or are there parts of it still hanging around? Is my old life really dead and gone? Or are there parts of it still hanging around? Is my life really in God's hands? Or are there still other things that are controlling me? And if so, what are they? What controls me? Is it other people's opinions or other people's words? Because that can be really strong. People can say the most horrible things. People can, even with good heart, say things that are well-intentioned but actually incorrect. And that can really damage you. We can be encouraged by things people say, that's great. We can learn from what people say, that's great. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, so it's good to have good friends that will speak the truth and help you avoid pitfalls. Fantastic. But just be really careful that we're not basing the direction of our lives on what people say to you or about you. We want to base the direction of our life on what God says to you and about you. What else could be controlling you? Perhaps my own lack of faith, my own lack of understanding could be controlling me. Perhaps I'm I'm just not grasping how big and how good God is. Perhaps I'm limiting what God can do just in the way I'm thinking. I found this on on the pinboard at home um, I think it's Nikki's. I asked permission to use it this morning. It's just cool. It's really cool. It's pink. That's okay. It's, uh, it's laminated and it's really fantastic. It's just all scripture. Have a listen to this. You say, it's impossible. He says, with me, all things are possible. You say, I'm exhausted. He says, wait on me and I'll renew your strength. You say, nobody loves me. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You say, but I can't go on. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You say, I don't know what to do. He says, I'll direct you. You say, but I can't do it. He says, you can do all things through me. You say, it's not worth it. He says, it will be. Just keep going. 
You say, I can't forgive myself. He says, you can, because I have. You say, I can't make ends meet. He says, I'll supply all your needs. You say, I'm afraid. He says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. Have your spirit of power. You say, I can't handle this. He says, give it to me and I'll carry it for you. You say, I don't have enough faith. He says, I'll give you faith. You say, I'm not smart enough. He says, I'll give you wisdom. You say, I'm all alone. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Is your own lack of faith, your own lack of understanding holding you back or controlling you? Hand it over to God and let it go. Is there a particular memory from the past or a particular mindset from today that might be controlling us? Let it go. Is there a lack of godly confidence? A feeling of being inhibited all the time? These are not of God. But if they're controlling you, let them go. Let them go. We've got to change this old thinking. We've got to remove this way of living. We've got to break the cycle, as it were. I mean, break the cycle is normally a phrase that we would use or reserve for talking about homelessness or poverty or addictions. But I think it's a really good three words. It's a really good phrase to to put in right here and go, you know what, we've got to break the cycle of the most obvious cycle in our lives, which is sin or control that's ungodly. Anything that is not of God that is giving me direction and causing me to behave in a particular way, that's controlling and that's got to be broken. So break the cycle. Change only comes when you do something different to what you were doing before. They say the definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It's true. Change breaks the cycle. Doing something different helps you to be someone different. Got to let go of that bad habit, that bad behavior, remove that old way of thinking. The only way to solve these problems, the the major underlying problem in the world is the major underlying problem in you and me. And that is that we let other things direct us and control us, not God. And it's called sin. And we've got to let it go. We've got to break the cycle. Otherwise, we're going round and round and round in circles. I think I've told you before about my, my grandma. She's 93 now. And the grandma that I, I know and see now is a very different person to the grandma that I knew and loved as a kid because her life now is ruled by dementia. So grandma is very, very difficult to talk to. Um, that's, um, this is not an accusation. Please understand my heart. It's an analogy. I want you to understand the, the heart of the story. But because the dementia is the thing that's guiding her thinking now, she's on about a sort of six-minute cycle. So you can have a conversation with grandma and go through a set of questions. She'll ask you questions because she can't remember who you are, so she tries to ask questions to identify who you are. And in about six minutes later, all she's got to do is lose eye contact for one minute, look out the window or pick something up. She'll look up and go, hello. And she'll start the same process all over again. She's on a six-minute cycle. It's incredibly sad. And uh, to watch, you know, watch my father, this is his mum, it's really hard for people. And, and you, some of you here probably have experience in this area far beyond that as well and have experienced the same thing. It's really, really difficult. And it's emotional and it's heavy and it's, it's, it's horrible. But... I watch that and I get this sense that we can be in the same sort of pattern in our lives and we don't even realise it. We can be going round and round in circles. You and I can be trapped by the same information. It might not be a six-minute cycle. It might be a couple of weeks. It might be a month. It might be five years. You might be in some kind of cyclic pattern of regurgitating the same information and getting back to the same point round and round the mountain 
nothing changes. Nothing changes. Dementia is not trapping you. Your life is. You're trapped by the things you have not decided to change. And as we read what's written here from God through the pen of Paul to the Roman church and to us today, as we learn a new normal, we have to make a decision. So I want to be different. I want to live a new life so that my new becomes normal, not my old. So the old is past and gone and the new is normal now. And I don't want to be caught in the same old circle in the washing machine going round and round. I want to be free to do what God has designed me to do. So I've got to bust out. I've got to break the cycle. And that takes a bit of courage. It takes a bit of determination, a bit of focus. Why we went back right at the start to have a look at those other three things. Because it takes focus. It takes an understanding of new life. And it takes a dedication to obedience to smash the cycle. And start again. Hard. But fantastic. And God's plan. Not some cleverly contrived theory. God's plan. Right here in scripture. Third thing. Dying. Control. Last one. Release. All of this leads up to this point. Because we've said it and we'll keep saying it, new life in Christ is all about freedom. I wrote this down. This is original. New life in Christ is about freedom from the hold of the old. I kind of like that. Maybe we could call this message the hold of the old. New life in Christ is about freedom and release. It's about letting go. It's about being removed from the hold of the old. Salvation in its truest definition is a word that means not just putting my hand up in a church service and meeting Christ for the first time. That's a start. That's the first step and it's wonderful. But salvation in its truest sense means wholeness and healing and restoration. Wholeness and healing and restoration. So there's far more to it than the beginning step and decision. It's about God's heart for you and I to return to our original condition of wholeness, to reconnect us with him and to release us from the chains that are holding us back. Let me quickly show you an example. This is the last point, but I want to show you this example in uh, Luke. You can turn to it if you like in Luke 17. Or you can just listen, your choice. So you've always got choices in life. Luke 17, just verse 11 to 17, six or seven verses. It's a story some of you will know, just a great way of describing what we're talking about here, being fully and totally released. It's the story of the ten being healed of leprosy, Luke 17, 11 to 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, 
one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, not from around that area. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, for your faith has made you well. So here's the deal. Often we get to the point of wanting change, but it didn't quite happen. These lepers wanted change. You've got to understand in context, leprosy at that time was possibly the worst thing that could happen to any individual. If they were discovered to have leprosy, they were literally put out of the village, cut off from the family, had to live in a different part, way away from people, and carry a bell and ring the bell when they walked past anybody else so that people would know to give them the wide berth. They were seriously outcast. Jesus went to their village. And as he went to their village, ten of them said, heal us, change us, cleanse us. The cry of our hearts today. God, do something. And as God does, because he's full of love through Christ, he says, Go and show yourselves to the priests and it'll be all right. So they want change. They want to experience new life and release as do you and I. They actually cry out to God as do you and I. And he gives them a direction and they respond in obedience. Focus new life and obedience. They respond in obedience. They did as they were told. Go to the priest, show yourself to the priest. They did. It says that they were cleansed. Awesome. Now, nine of the ten thought that that was it and ran away. One went back to God and said, thank you, thank you for what you've done in my life. And Jesus responded and said, where are the other guys? We haven't finished yet. But thank you for coming back and praising God and remembering where this miracle came from. And because of your faith, you are now made well, bracket, whole, bracket, complete. Nine people got a cleansing. One was made whole. Do you want to come and go from church and get a bit cleansed each week and feel nice for a season? And have a little clean up on the outside. Or do you want wholeness in God? Complete healing in God. That only comes from an absolute commitment to God and his word. Not just a request, will you help us? But when he does, go back and say thank you. And stay in touch with God and praise God. And commit to him. And he says, well done. Where are the other nine? Well done. You didn't just see this as an opportunity to get clean. You are chasing wholeness and I see your faith and you're made well. Same choice for us today. We want to be released to be free of the past and free to walk into our future. But there's a godly process to that. Dying to self 
dying to the old life, releasing the control and stepping into the release and the freedom that comes only from an absolute relationship with Christ. Praising God. We've got to let the old you, the old me, die off completely. And it could take time. So don't be too hard on yourself or anyone else. But we've got to be uncontrolled by outside influences so that we can be made new with total freedom in Christ. I want to pray this morning that you and me will be broken open by God so that he can remove any controlling forces that's still hanging around, anything that's messing with our heads and our hearts. So in a second, I'm going to um, get you to stand and we might even play some music. just want to really pray for you. But before I do that, and I don't do this to embarrass you, but Fraser, I just want to pray for you. Um, I wrote this down. I'll give you a copy of it. When Peter Marsh and I were praying for you during the week with your mum in the studio. Sounds like Cluedo, doesn't it? With your mum in the studio. We, um, he and I spoke about you afterwards because both of us came away from that impromptu prayer feeling that there was more that God wanted to say to you. So I just wrote a couple of notes and I believe this is for you this morning from God ties in with everything we've just been hearing, which is, I guess, why it came out at the end here. But Fraser, I believe that God wants you to know that you are not going to be repeating the mistakes of the past. You are not going to have to continue any of the mistakes of the past of your family, and that's not being rude to your family. That's to say and to acknowledge that God can see that there has been a history of difficulty, a history of illness, a history of distraction, a history of hard times. But God is highlighting you and saying you have the opportunity to break that cycle in your life and in your family's life because you will be a shining example of the heart and the love of Christ that will reflect on mum and sister and uncles and aunties and it will help bring massive change into your life and the next generation and the next generation. It stops now. Okay? Why don't you all stand up? We'll grab some music and we're going to pray for breaking of cycles, for breaking of chains, for freedom. We don't have to yell and scream to do that, by the way. We just have to ask God to reveal truth. Heavenly Father, you're a mighty God, an awesome God. That's a word I don't use lightly. You are full of awe. We are full of awe for you. Thank you, God, for your unbelievable heart. Thank you, God, for all that you have done and will do and for what you're doing in us right now, today, reshaping cleansing, rearranging, fixing, 
and taking it right the way through to completion and wholeness and salvation. God, we choose this morning as a church to go deeper into you. We don't want to be surface level Christians, Heavenly Father. It's good to be cleansed. It's nice to feel nice. But God, we want you to take everything we've got and cleanse us from the inside out. Rearrange everything you need to rearrange. Unblock everything you need to unblock. Remove everything you need to remove. Smash what needs to be smashed. Take out what needs to be taken out. God, do what you need to do to restore and to release. We're up for this process of dying, Heavenly Father. For some, it'll be a faster process. The old will die away, the new will come. For others, it may take a bit more time, but God, we're in your hands. We're working according to your clock, not ours. So God, grant us patience to hear clearly from you and take the steps that you require of us one at a time. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. And God, my heart and my prayer right now at at the completion of a message like that where you've, you've spoken clearly to us, God, about the process of dying, getting rid of control and stepping into release. And God, the response, the natural response is to say, if there's anything in me, If there's anything in us that needs to be smashed and broken, God, do it because we want to step into release. If there's mindsets, if there's ways of thinking, if there's patterns of behavior, if there's a tendency to rely on the words of others, not the words of you, if there's faith that is there but needs to increase, whatever it may be that's holding us back, that we're gripping onto, that we need to let go of, God, highlight that to us right now so we can change, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Jesus. Here's what we're going to do, church. Just in an atmosphere of, of, of prayer and praise, let's not get all somber and, and, and silly about it. Let's just focus on God. And we're going to sing a bit. Keep singing. And then if you want to come out here and have some prayer time, I'd love to pray for you. And there's plenty of people here that can pray as well. But let's, let's do it out the front instead of just in our seats. Let's make a public declaration. Let's say, yeah, I choose. I choose. I choose to let God do some changing in my heart. I put the microphone away. It's not for everyone else's business. I did what I did with Fraser because I believe God gave me that to deliver publicly to encourage him that God's got his number and that it's all going to be okay. Let's sing. I won't dismiss you just yet. I'd love you to stay. If you really need to go, of course you can. But I'd love you to stay and just fill this place with a bit of atmosphere and a bit of heart for God. And if you don't need prayer, then just be praying that people who do need prayer will be touched by God. Is that okay? You can talk to me. Are you with me? Excellent. Right, let's sing. And then start coming out the front. Let's get some prayer happening. It's all good. Sing my soul is weak.